Hello, and thank you for listening. Again, this is Sherelle. Today is August 22nd, year 2020. It's Tuesday. I um, had to take my son to get his driver's license. He's 15. He has an appointment at 345. And um, I have some time scheduled to work this evening, but we'll see how that goes. I am waiting on my grandbaby to be born Thursday. This will be my second grandchild. I have an older, my oldest granddaughter. She's amazing. She is so amazing. Mean, (laughs) but amazing. And I can't wait to see, smell, hug, and kiss on this one. It's a boy. So my daughter, she will have one girl, one boy. And uh, she is amazing, my daughter. I love her to death. I have uh, two sons. My oldest son, he's just a year younger than his sister. He, so much I can say about him. I adore all of my children. Even my little troublemaker, the 15-year-old, always in trouble. It's all good. He's curious. He's intelligent. And he just stays in the stuff. And it just, oh, my God. He's so many hands full. So many hands full. But even with his troublemaking, I'm very proud of him. Very proud of my oldest son. Very proud of my daughter. They are so much to me. They are so much to me. And watching them go through life and seeing them struggle, seeing them have heartaches, seeing them have happy days, and seeing them when they're on top of the world. And see, this is the, by far, the best part of parenting. Watching someone that you've poured your all into. Go out in the world and just live. It breaks my heart to see them hurting. But I'm 40, and not by accident or coincidence, I've lived. And I know that life is a whole roller coaster. You have highs that are so high, so, so high. You feel like you're on top of the world. Then on the way down, you lose your breath and you just can't catch it. And on the bottom, there's nowhere to go but up. Like it's just up and down. <laughs> it is what it is. And I mean, you'd be a fool not to accept it. You'd be a fool to want to end your life because you hit a low. You'd be a fool to want to miss any part of life. Life is so full of excitement. So full of excitement. And it's one thing to live the excitement that is life and it's a whole nother to watch lives that you've given to this earth live it oh my god I can't even explain the rush the tinkle I just felt saying all that (laughs) it's amazing it is amazing I am one of those people that will sit out in the rain 
or listen to the birds song or just listen to the crickets at night or watch the glow bugs doing their little thing their little dance I am one of those people who appreciates everything around me for exactly what it is everything and everyone because when you stop and just really put it in perspective the world would be a very boring place if we were all exactly the same the true spice of life is the differences that everybody brings to the table and even the differences that those that refuse to bring to the table like it, th- those are the things that make life interesting and worth living everybody's out here looking for a purpose oh I gotta have a purpose there has to be a reason you know what I believe in purpose and reason too but what I also believe is that you can be your own purpose you and I you or I we can be our own reason I could be the reason that I want success and that I seek it so drastically and that I don't give up on much of anything and continue to fight against the grain. I was trying to swim upstream. I can be my own motivation. I can be my own reason to want to succeed, to be better, to do better, to get up when I fall down. I can be my own inspiration and I believe every person walking planet earth can be as well nothing has to inspire me to be a good person or to do good unto others I can inspire me to be good and to do good unto others I have a bad habit of saying that I dislike people. And in the backwards ass way of thinking that I have, I'm saying I dislike people, but when I say people, my heart thumps. (laughs) I don't always know how to deal with people, especially people with very different personalities. The weirder the person, the harder it is for me to deal with them. Or the... I'm saying weird, but I'm not trying to insult anybody. I'm going to say the more different from me, the harder it is to just cope with being in their presence for too long. (laughs) But at the same time, I love the differences, the weirdness. I love them. I love it, love it, love it, love it. It... It's a thing of beauty for me. And even though my patience isn't 
as long as I would like for it to be. <laughs> and I just can't endure being around that person. I would never want to change that person from being exactly who they are. Because they have value. They have value. Regardless of what I think about them or anybody else walking the planet think about them. They have value to someone, to something. And if if by someone is saying they have value only to themselves, so be it. But they're walking around here or rolling around here and they're breathing this good air. They deserve to exist. We all do. And they deserve to exist being exactly who they are. Don't want to change anybody. May not want to deal with them, but I don't want to change anybody. Spice of life. I, um... I always ask myself in moments where I'm at the bottom of a barrel, if I could change any one thing in this moment, what would it be? If I could have done any one thing different, what would I have done? A lot of times, even though I'm at the bottom of a barrel, I can still see the light. And so I don't carry a lot of regret, if any. If I have any regret, it's very little. Very little. But even that very little can be so big if it continues to present itself in your life as something different or in a different way or with a different person. That's a problem. Anything that reoccurs is a problem. So, I don't want to get into my relationship. Because, yeah, I, I know I told you guys it was over. And... He keeps saying it is. My heart just refuses to hear it. I just refuse to hear it. (laughs) I don't know that I've ever held on to a relationship as tightly as... I want to, hope to, hold on to this one. And I mean, to anyone else or to other women who are looking at him, I could see them looking at him and thinking, oh, he ain't shit. You know, he ain't got this, he ain't got that. You know, they they sum them up. But his value in my life 
isn't what he has. His value in my life is his touch, his smell, the sight of him, the way he makes me feel. I want to taste him. I've attempted to bite him and then draw blood, but he just, he ain't going. He won't let me do it. So I can't say the taste of him. Not fully, because I haven't had the full taste of him. I want it, though. Make no mistake about it. Hearing his voice soothes my very soul. Just soothes me to the core. If I could change anything about the way we exist when we're together, I would change my ability to focus on things that I need to do for me. Because I I can't. When I'm with him, my focus is what we need to do for us. And I get lost in transition. That would be the only thing I would change. He is perfect. He is perfection. He is beauty. He is alpha male. I have this amazing habit of just being me just being myself and I think for the first time in my 40 years of existing on earth I actually feel like being me was not what was up here and which is crazy because I made efforts to change you know, little routines or things that I did, I made efforts to change those things, the things that I do in the physical. Honestly, I believe that I can change as a person, but I I honestly don't know how to go about it. So, and I don't, I don't see much wrong with me that needs to be changed. I'm a straight shooter, I'm honest. I'm not used to running my thoughts of or plans or things that I want to do or may do or I'm going to do by somebody prior to executing because I mean I'm not used to that that's not something that I've ever 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 had to do before now and so it's hard it is difficult because that's asking me to foretell something that may not even happen or just it just may not come into fold I don't like speaking things into existence. 
I like the flow of things. Just letting things go the way they are intended to go. And I firmly believe that when we speak things aloud and we put that vibration behind that sound, we send it out into the universe, it gets bigger as it grows and goes further and further away from us. It carries with it the weight of your voice, which is vibrating. Like everything else on planet Earth is vibrating on its own level. That gives it power. That gives it power. And I often wonder, would things have gone one way or another if it hadn't have been spoken into existence before it came into fold? Because it's written <laughs> in a lot of ancient studies that words of sound have power. So who am I to question it? Who am I to question something probably older than my soul and all of its reincarnated lives? Yeah, so I go out of my way to not speak ill or speak things that the situation hasn't even arised yet in order for there to be an outcome. I like to let it be exactly what it's going to be. But sometimes the people that we love most and hold nearest and dearest to our hearts are somewhere speaking on us and putting vibrations behind those words, sending it out into the universe. And we never know whether they're speaking good into our life or whether they're speaking negative vibes into our lives. We never know. But I want to give you this scenario to show you the impact. The morning that I moved out on my man, he said something that hurt me true enough I tried to explain to him why it hurt me he didn't want to hear it but when he was ready to listen I was completely shit the fuck off and I wanted to I wanted to so bad just I wanted to explain and get him to understand and it, it just it, our history is so scattered with incidents of him not understanding what I'm saying because he just chooses not to because he has his own opinions his own thoughts on it and he of course is going to believe himself over all else I can't be mad at that but it did it did and does still causes a rift between us that I just want to repair in either event I cannot explain why I was dead set on moving out. Like, every part of me wanted to be there. Never wanted to leave him. Not ever. Every part of me wanted him. I still want him. (laughs) 
on a subatomic level, on every level. And it's just like, I packed up my stuff and I sat there for hours waiting on my dad and my son to come and get my stuff. Hours passed and I was stern, set, I am leaving. Not him, <laughs> but I was moving out. Still want him, still love him. Everything in me still wants him and loves him. So, of course, I left. I'm gone. I get here, and my son comes outside. I'm telling him how I feel. And he tells me, Mom, he was like, Granny was on the phone this morning about 8.30ish. And she was talking to somebody. And I heard her say, Yeah, she's still up there with that nigga. It ain't gonna last long. It'll be over soon, I'm sure. When he said that, just like now, everything paused temporarily. My thoughts paused. My feelings paused. Everything just paused. My grandmother is my heart. I love her <laughs> to death and back and beyond. I hope my soul follows hers throughout the existing of Earth. I just couldn't understand what was moving me. But at that moment, I did. That's why I couldn't open up. Her words always carry weight in my life. And so for her to speak that, it moved weight. It moved weight. It's alright. So now I find myself fighting for my love. It's okay. I'm still trying not to let it get me down, but at the same time, I just can't shake it. (laughs) And I know me, I don't want to be out with some other guy and, and constantly talking about him because I do and I've done it and it's just it's ridiculous it's ridiculous I, I and I know maybe I should just take some time to heal but I feel like my time is short I feel like it's running out like I don't have time <laughs> and maybe a lot of people don't understand that and maybe I'm being foolish a lot of maybes here and plenty more that I'm sure I just can't think of in the moment. But um, my son just called me, so I'm going to go ahead and end this installation. It's been a few days, and I want to get on a track to where I'm reflecting every day right here. Right here. Even though it's not an actual sounding board, sometimes hearing yourself speak these things out loud give you some clarity so thank you thank you so much for listening I really appreciate it and look out for my next post I'm going to try to keep it raw I don't want to get into 
which is what I almost did the last time. I don't want to get into written speeches, you know, for segments. I want to just let whatever I'm feeling, whatever is around me, whatever energies are currently in my way or on me, just flow. And I want to keep it that way. I want to keep it that way. That way I feel like the creator of all things can then use me to flush out whatever is needed for me or for whomever is listening. You guys take care. Later. Hello. And thank you or anyone who takes the time out of their day to listen to my recordings. Today is Tuesday, October 20th, 2020. It's about 5.42 p.m. Central Standard Time. I'm at a park in Texarkana. Well, I guess this would be considered Wake Village. Just off of 49, World War 59 eventually leads to 49. Um, the Liberty Ilo area. I am. Um, I'm feeling like what I have to say needs to be said, so I'm gonna say it. The mind tends to get stuck on things that it does not understand or can't make sense of. Whether or not we want to be stuck there or not, and I say this because I make conscious decisions to leave the past in the past. I make conscious decisions to move forward, to thrive and strive, you know. I make these decisions and I don't make them lightly. Sometimes the stuff that that I go through is pretty heavy and and perhaps I should take more time out to pan it out, if you will. And I'm starting to think that perhaps I'm making a cowardice decision in moving on or, or determining to be, being so determined to strive and to thrive despite whatever has occurred. And the reason I say that is because emotions are messy. Emotions on something that you can easily foretell. Like before someone actually made you feel a certain way or before you felt, because no one can actually make you do anything. Everything that we do of our own is of our own. <laughs> so despite what the mouth says, <clears throat> I think on a, on a lot of levels, a lot of us know and understand that that fact that we are in control we are the pilot here of our own our own feelings our own decisions our own period our own everything and I think that maybe it's quite possible that my approach to strive and thrive are all being used to help me avoid facing 
pretty much my mishaps, my fuck-ups. And um, I was, well, I wanted to go back and listen to my previous recordings. But in the process of going back to listen to my previous recordings, I sat there and, and realized that two of them are almost exactly the same. And in all of them, I made mention of something that clearly my mind was having trouble wrapping itself around and I was unaware. And I think that is because I haven't sat down and worked out my own kinks. And um, I'm out here with my ex slash current and my daughter, or his daughter, our daughter. So I'm going to have to pick this up another time. But thank you for listening. to you all are you individual because I don't think anyone's really tuned in but in either event I, I wanted to come on and explain the hiatus I found myself becoming very redundant but um, I guess what I'm realizing is the way I was consumed in the relationship that's that being the majority of what was on my mind. So I thought to myself, I said, self, let me give myself a little distance and so forth. And so I have. Um, I was thinking also about having a very structured conversation here, but honestly, when I have structured conversations, they lack the passion most times that I want to give and so forth. So I'm just going to keep dwelling and venting on myself and the new things that are happening or that are going through my head, which I'm not used to, but at the same time, um, I'm a woman, and I can admit <clears throat> that the opposite sex tends to fog my mind <laughs> most of the time. Um, and I guess in saying that, I'd also have to say that I'm a woman who enjoys having sex with men. And, um, yeah, so that consumes Okay. I was um thinking for a little while and it hit my mind. It was like I spent 19 plus years for the most focused on raising my children. And all of them aren't grown yet. My daughter, she's 20. My oldest son, he's 19. And my baby boy just turned 16. 
a few months back. But um, <clears throat> I love them so much. They've been so much to me for so many years. Um, when my daughter, when my daughter turned 13, almost instantly she became just a monster in my life. But I mean, she she was pretty hard on me from the beginning um, as far as her personality and the choices that she would make. Um, and yes, children start making choices very early, even if it's so much as putting two toys in front of them and which one they want to play with, they decided something. So yes, very early on, she started to give me the blues, but I love her. I still love her. I will love her to the day one of us leaves this earth. And if God says the same, if I leave first, I will love her from the stars. She's my only girl. Oh, sorry about the sniffling and whatnot. It's been kind of cold here. <clears throat> and now it's starting to heat up. And I guess now my body wants to react to that fact that it was cold once upon a time. I feel like I feel like I gave my half of my life to my children. Half of some really good years of my life to my children. Do I regret it? No. I don't. Does it hurt? Yes. And I guess the reason why it hurts is because I'm not physically capable of doing all the things I used to could do 20 years ago. My body has changed drastically. I have ailments. Major. Um, I do realize that the majority of my issues started after my car wreck in 2009. I do realize that. Yet and still, I still feel as though I missed out on a lot of things. I regret that I didn't live my life according to the things my grandmother was trying to structure within my life. You know, the completion of school, then marriage, then children, you know, a career here or there or everywhere. I. I do regret that much. I um I was raised by adults who would tell me every day how beautiful I was or how smart I was because I drew with my colors in the line <laughs> and uh not realizing there are even realizing my, my uncle junior the one who 
and I don't know if I've discussed this here, but he died of COVID when it first came out in prison. He had been there for 35 years. Plus, perhaps a little longer. Um, when I was a little girl, he used to babysit me all the time. And he'd either have me on his hip or on his neck, everywhere he went. And he taught me how to ride a bike. He taught me how to color, how to write my alphabet, my one, two, threes. And he also taught me how to color in the lines. And like, he showed me what a relief it was to let go too in the process. Like you get used to drawing in the lines, so you focus on that and you, you concentrate on it so drastically. But you know, you can also bring your frustrations to the color big book too and just go crazy. <laughs> oh, and it felt so good. Like it was a release. He was amazing. And I, I, I hate that I'm not ever going to see him again in this life. And I hope and pray that our souls follow each other into the next. Um, getting back to what I was saying, like the adults around me, except for my mother, for whatever reason, she just was determined to tear me down. Just determined to tear me down. Uh, the adults made me feel important. They made me feel special. They made me feel... I don't know, a certain greatness, a certain belonging, a certain will to live, to survive. And that will carried me far. It really did. I'm not sure what having kids did to that structure, but it, it changed it quite a bit. Um... I don't look at I don't look at myself now at the age of 41. I had a birthday that just passed. Um, I don't look at myself now at the age of 41 and see someone who's beautiful, smart. You know, I don't I don't have that spark that glow I burn bright I burn bright it's just not clear as, as light like it's not as clearly as that light used to be it, it's it's dampered um, I myself I did the dampering like, with the gifts God has given you, what will you do? You know? And I chose to do the things that I did. And that's what that is. And I'm grateful that I was able to see it as such and step up and take responsibility for my actions. Not that I didn't have moments of of questioning myself or moments where I felt like, okay, let me 
try to start again or let me try to do it right. Or obviously, I, I had those moments because at one point, after everything I had accumulated since I left everything in an apartment that my daughter's father was living in at the time, everything that I accumulated from that point burned in a house fire. And it was just gone. And it was like, what was any of this for? You know? Like, I had quite a bit of material things. Specifically clothing, shoes, purses to match the clothing and shoes and belts and accessories. Like, ridiculous stuff. Ridiculous stuff. Um... I've never been big on hanging things on my walls. I don't like stuff hanging all over my walls. But I had pictures in a beautiful wall desk that like went from ceiling to floor. And I had shelves and shelves. And I had pictures all around them. And I had a beautiful family album like in an opposite corner on a stand with some candles. Like it was decorated nicely. Like, I'm not going to sit here and catalog everything that I lost in the fire. I was on a mission, too. I don't know why. But, yeah, gone. And I had really been working hard. Like, I worked at a gas station third shift. Like, and then got scared so badly by a guy that I dated that I started bringing my pistol to work. Like, I was afraid for my life. And I was happy when they fired me. Because <laughs> I was there by myself from, like, midnight up until 8 in the morning. <clears throat> or 7, I don't remember. Something like that. I think I came in a couple of hours prior. Anyway, um, they fired me. And then I worked at a chicken plant, like a dirty slave. And, like, when my car broke down, I caught a bus back and forth to the chicken plant, which added an additional three, four hours to my day. Mind you, at this point, I had, like, two kids. I didn't have practice until November. The house fire was the end of January. Yeah, the end of January. So, <laughs> uh, I worked, worked, worked hard for that stuff. And it was gone in the blink of an eye. And I started to think about my foundation. Like, I had nothing to fall back on. I wanted to stay with my sister, my oldest sister, for like two and a half, nearly three days. Um, I found out that Red Cross helped out, so I called Red Cross and got some assistance from them. And the day I had to go to Red Cross to get this, pick the assistance up, and I went and got my kids some clothes so they can go to school because they had nothing. I had nothing. We lost everything very literally <sighs> anyway my um when i went to pick my sister up from school and she got in the car she had an attitude like she hadn't really been off school that long she had just called me and when she called me i made the what probably 10 minute trip from the store i was which was the target to her school which was like on 
in Texas Kernoff from the Boston Road at the time, by where the big beauty supply is and Target was like right off of 30. Neither event, uh, neither here nor there, we went and picked the kids up from school and then we headed back to her apartment in Ashdown and she calls my dad. Me and my kids are all in the car. We're all in the car with her. And she tells my dad, I don't know what you need to do, but you need to do something as if I did something to her. And I won't even go into the background of, I won't even go into our background. <laughs> this was probably the first time in my life I've ever asked my sister for help. And we were 20. 24. I was definitely at least 24, possibly about to be 25. Yeah, 24, about to be 25 the next month. Because Praetis, I had Praetis in 04. Yep, the house burned down in 05, January of 05. Okay, so anyway, I, I really felt betrayed. I called my auntie. My auntie cleaned out her SUV, came and got me and my kids, and what little bit of stuff I had brought for them to wear to school. The next morning, I borrowed my mom, borrowed my grandmother's car, and came to Texarkana and withdrew them from school and came to Atlanta and put them in school. And uh, I was living with my grandmother, which is basically <laughs> the only place I'm welcomed, to be honest, if I'm being honest with myself. If my dad, you know, kept a roof over his head, I would always be welcome at my dad's house. Uh, my maternal grandmother, I'm always welcomed at her house always and um, I started to think like I need to go to school you know I need to get my education I need to build a foundation so that I can afford insurance and things like that that you know people that have take for granted that they can even afford to keep and maintain I needed a foundation so badly and I just I thought for a second I was like I don't know that I can handle school and my kids because when it comes to my kids even though I worked like a slave I was their slave when I wasn't at work their slave I belonged to them but they needed I was taking care of their needs so I thought, okay, let me try to go to school. Let me see about maybe putting my kids in a temporary foster situation with somebody. I really didn't know how the process worked, but I figured, you know, I'd create a, you know, contact them online through the legal part of it and then figure out with whom, you know, the way I could make sure everything was done legally and, and not, you know, in a way that's kind of like people do now and have been doing since the beginning of time, just drop their kids off somewhere and just leave them with no paperwork where they can get proper health care or, you know, that, that, that my kids were my life. They have been my life for 19 plus, 20 plus years uh, in either event my mom got on the computer after me and looked down through the searches and the drop boxes and saw what I was googling and called up my well her first cousin Deborah Maxine and 
talked about me like a dirty dog. Then she called up her sister, my auntie, and she talked about me like a dirty dog. Then she called, finally called my grandma. The reason why she saved my grandmother for last is because she knew my grandmother was going to confront me. Because my grandmother has always been more of that mother figure to me than anybody else walking planet Earth. Yeah, so um, she told my grandmother... My grandmother sat me down and was like, okay, this just don't go through that method. Like, I understand what you're saying, but that's not how your mama took it. That's not how she's saying it. Like, she's making it seem like you were just going to dump the kids off at the fire station or something and drive away. Like, no, you know, we'll do, try it a different way, and you can still go to school. So what she helped me figure out was that I would leave my oldest son with the paternal grandmother since the dad really wasn't dependable and um, he was out living his life with this woman or that woman and their kids and so forth and I don't knock him I, I a little envious yes a little jealous yes wishing I could get down like that but my loyalties were to my children first so that way um, and then I would leave my daughter with my grandmother and I would take my baby as soon as I got my place like I would come get my baby as soon as I got my place and um, I thought okay if I just got to take care of one child I should absolutely be able to complete my degree and so forth in the meantime I was trapped up in this ITT technical institution <laughs> Oh my God, that is a regret. <clears throat> I read the fine print. I really did, but I, you know, and I, and this is ridiculous right here. But what I'm gonna say, but it's it's so true, especially t for me. I don't know about for other people, but I can read one thing and understand it for what it is. But to live that one thing, if anything goes wrong, and then you're going back like, well, you knew this and you knew that. Yeah, I did. And I did. And like, there's no argument to be had. But like, ITT was the biggest ripoff. I completed three quarters, started the fourth. Um, in the process of me, in my first quarter, I had to go get one of my children. In the process of me in my second quarter, I had to go get the other of my children. So by the time I got to the third quarter, I had all three of my children. So the fact that I completed the third quarter was an act of God. All of this with a 4.0 GPA. And <laughs> so when I took off from school, because I didn't have to do my finals, the third quarter, I, I went home took my kids and we went home and visited with my family and so forth. I just, I realized I was stressed to the max. And then I had a falling out with my nanny at the time. And I realized, okay, I have childcare so I can put them in daycare. Like I don't have to have a nanny. And so I put the nanny out. And I registered the kids in daycare. And they worked out for a second. And then it just it got to be too much with the daycare calling me while I'm 
um, at school, and then they were calling me while I picked up a, a part-time job because, I mean, hell, I'm buying diapers for a baby, and I'm paying car insurance, and I still have bills at home. Like, I still, I had to have money. The car didn't run on air, and then I'm a smoker. The cigarettes helped me buy life and tread the waters. <laughs> oh, my God. Uh, I needed money. Okay, welfare. It was wonderful. $200 a month. The electric bill took that. Ate it up real quick. It was gone. And then there was still gas money, insurance, and diapers. and I needed money, so I got a job when I went and got... No, I didn't even wait till then. I had the job from the first, like the middle to the end of the first quarter at ITT. In fact, I think the one of the counselors there referred me and, and helped me send my resume off to the job that I got hired for. In either event, working full-time, going to school, full-time, three babies, mm. no nanny, dealing with the school, dealing with the daycare. It just, it was killing me, very literally. So I um, went and talked to the counselors at the school, told them I needed to drop the courses, and they just politely reminded me, well, you're three quarters in, so if you leave, leave now if you want to, absolutely. You'll owe us $18,000. I'm like, bitch, what? <laughs> Who I'm gonna owe you eighteen thousand, and, and I'm gonna owe Sally Mae some money too. I fought them, I fought them, and got them to drop their claim on eighteen thousand. But Sally Mae, oh, when I didn't pay Sally Mae her money, Sally Mae started taking my income tax return. She did it for what three, four years straight. Mind you, I still got three kids at home that I'm taking care of. Practically by myself, like, the fathers were on child support. I don't know how they were surviving without a job. They, you know, I don't know how they were managing that. But Marcus at first, like the first 10 years or so of Delicia's life, he was helping. He was there. Like, he'd get a job, work most of the year. Last three months, he'll quit, and he won't be working. So no money's coming in. But then he'll turn around, come March or so, get another job, work to the end of the year. So, I mean, he for the first 10 years, he was very helpful. The boy's dad, I really didn't even ask for child support until after we broke up. And uh, after I moved out of the house, when it burned, and then I didn't ask for back pay. Um, they started him off with child support based on minimum wage. So he was paying like 125 a month for two kids. What was, I think, what they set him up for? $125 a month for two kids. And it wasn't a problem. Like any help, anything was up. $125 up at least buy diapers for three weeks. That was a help, you know. And uh, anyway, he'd get a job for like two, three months. Well, he'd have the job longer than that, but when they started taking the child support out of his check, he'd work two or three months, and then he'd quit and get another job. 
and then like child support it'll take him a few months to find out that he's working like it was in either event it, it nothing was consistent there was no real help other than if I called my dad or my grandmother crying my maternal grandmother crying they were absolutely there with bills they had solutions they brought them to the table and uh Anyway, after that, I really didn't know how to go about it, so I registered at a community college to try to further my education, and uh, ITT was upset that I had to fight them or whatever over the money they were claiming that I owed them directly. And finally, they released my transcript after I appealed it, I think, to the furthest it could have went through their system. <clears throat> and uh, we litigated and so forth. They released my transcript. And then, like, the community college couldn't use anything off of the transcript. So it was like I fought like a dog to start off with, you know, these three quarters where I'm about to you know, complete at least a year and get nothing. Like, I got nothing from ITT except for Owen Sally Mae, another 18K plus interest. Because, you know, Sally Mae going to add her interest monthly. <laughs> All right. So, anyway, starting from scratch, community college, um, I found... A more convenient job. Everything was convenient about it except for the location. It was very steady. Like set off days, set work days. Um, it was comfortable. I wasn't like extraining or straining myself physically. Like I could sit at a desk, talk on a phone, type on a computer for eight hours during a nine hour shift in which lunch was an hour. It was nice. Benefits, beautiful. And uh, still my three kids. Yeah. Yeah, so when I registered and started classes at the junior college, by then, I think my sister and her two babies had moved in with me, I do believe. Um, my kids were in, still in daycare at the time. Um, I had to find a daycare that was 24 hours because I was going into work at 6, getting off at 3. Having to be at school 5 o'clock Monday and Wednesday, 5.30 on Tuesday and Thursdays. Getting out of school at 11.30 Monday and Tuesdays and midnight, Tuesdays and Thursdays. And then I had to come back to school Saturday morning from 8 to 12. That was my first schedule at the community college. So I found a daycare. It was 24 hours. Switched my kids over to that daycare. Um... I don't remember if they had an issue with picking them up from the school that they were attending or what. I'm not sure. But it seems like maybe my sister had to buffer and take them from school to daycare for me because I, with traffic in Dallas, I didn't have time to go from Grapevine to freaking South Arlington. And I mean the crispest of South Arlington. <laughs> like, and I couldn't, like, stop. Like, yeah, no. Yeah, no. Yeah, I couldn't do it. And uh, they ended up transferring to another school. Anyway, there's a whole bunch of strife in, in between there that's relevant. Like, everything is just like, I was trying to get an idea of 
I just didn't have time for me. I was very goal-oriented, and it was all about providing for my children. That was it for me. Like, I've never viewed my children as mistakes. Not ever. And I wasn't about to start just because life knocked me on my ass. They weren't mistakes, and they deserved a better life. And I gave everything I had to try to make that happen. We got really close. At least once, maybe twice. We got really close. Yeah, I'm going to definitely stay twice. But life life happens. I think the fire took away one of our really close chances. And then, I don't know, ITT with their thieving behinds. And a whole bunch of other negative things happened in that time frame that really just, it really just broke me down. Like life happened to me based on some fucked up choices that I made. Yep. And either man, I think I gave up for just a little while after I went to jail for 19 days and lost probably one of the best jobs I had ever had before up until then um, I don't think I gave up right off the bat though I think I got out of jail still with my boxing gloves on, you know, my shoes laced up, still squared up, you know, floating like a butterfly, stinging like a bee. Because I remember sending out my resume to several jobs, and I remember going to an orientation for one. They were making semen, and I didn't quite understand the concept of what exactly we were going to be doing, so I never just returned to that job because I had also sent a resume to AT&T, which was exactly where I wanted to be. <laughs> and they had called me back for an interview for an actual floor manager based on my experience. And I was like, who the hell would turn it down? Not me. I would be there with bells. Oh, when it brought me a very nice pair of high heels with the toe out when it got me an $80 pedicure, a, a, a $45 manicure, when it got my hair whooped up, <laughs> Which it was natural, so it wasn't that much whooping to do. It just wash condition and, and mousse had like, you know, they do the little edge designs or whatever. And uh, had me a little three-piece suit on, pants, buttoned down, and a vest. Walked in that thing. And it sounded amazing. Like they were going to open a new call center and they should be done by blah, blah, blah date. And um, I'm going to be originating the first team. Oh, they were going to give me the... Uh, call me to come back up to the same uh, workforce commission to get like a training manual so that I can get familiar with the training manual so that I can train my own team. Um, they weren't sure if they were going to keep me as a trainer at that time because they were they were hiring for everything. So if they were going to find a trainer, if they find a trainer or whatever, they would put the trainer in my spot. But I would just hold that position with the first team all the way to the floor. And that was going to be me managing the team 
until they like they wanted to take me through level by level by level in either event I was going to be general manager of the call center and I was just hyped like I literally went from a $26,000 a year job that jail took from me to I was going to be making $80,000 a year and it was like finally like I could breathe like uh, I could breathe for a second and and then AT&T called me, like, I think a couple of days before I was supposed to come pick up the training manual. They called me and told me that that overhead decided that they were not going to open the call center and asked me if I was interested in a smaller position, like four cities over. <sighs> Broke me down. Broke me down. Because I had really, really just spent the last of my little Wamu chicks <laughs> on the attire for the interview. <laughs> to the point where, at this point, I don't know how I'm going to pay my bills right now. Because once I put them, they put the training manuals in my hand, I started getting paid. Yeah, so, either way, crushed. And so I went through my little funky depressed mode for a few months. My boy's father, his other baby mama, one of his other baby mamas, called me and asked me if her and the kids could come stay with me for a little while until she found her own place. And I let her and the kids come stay. I had no idea she was bringing her boyfriend, but she did. I let them stay for a minute, and then, like, when I saw that they weren't going to help me at least pay half of the bills, like, okay, yeah, you have one less kid with you than I have, but you have two adults here. Like, yeah, you can pay half the bills if you can't. What about were you here? Why are you here? You're not my children. Like, she had lived with me before, and I took total care of her, yeah, her and her kids. Yeah, no, not you, your boyfriend and your kids, but whatever. Like, when I saw they weren't going to help with the bills, I, I gave them the boot. I gave her the option to leave the kids and her and her boyfriend get the fuck on. But the boyfriend was determined that, no, we ain't leaving the kids. No, nope, up to you, your kids, you know what I'm saying? Hey, do what you got to do. But I'm just letting you know. You two can't stay here. The kids are welcome to stay. As long as I made that understood. <laughs> you know. So anyway. They took the kids. They left. Oh, around about that time. I had gotten a couch from Mission of Arlington. And it was infested with bed bugs. And it infested the apartment with bed bugs. So I had to throw out all of my furniture. Me and the kids were now sleeping on the floor. And treating the floor. And not turning the air conditioner on, sleeping in pure heat because the heat helps the bed bugs die. We were steam cleaning everything nearly every day and then dry uh, vacuuming afterwards just to keep from being bitten, eaten alive, basically. And uh, I was crying out for help to any and everybody that could hear, that had ears. <laughs> and my mother, surprisingly came to my rescue. She came with some 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 super plant 
grade insect killer and she packed me and the kids up and she sprayed the baseboards of every room, took us to her home, let us actually stay there for a week and then brought us back. And wouldn't you know, like magic, the bed bugs were gone. So I started to innovate the little pieces of furniture back in and whatnot, but I wasn't working. I didn't have any income at the time. I think Marcus was working and paying a little child support, and I was, like, flipping that two and three times, selling candy or, you know, offering services with the Internet and so forth. Just, I, I just, I do whatever I can do. I do whatever I can do, yeah, to make do. And then I had a, that's about when I had the car wreck. I was out of jail, the AT&T stuff happened, and then September 11th, 09, the car wreck. That really messed my back up, really, really messed my back and my hip up. And it just was pretty much downhill from that point. But we didn't actually become homeless until 2014, I believe. Yeah, it was 2014. We went to living with people from place to place. And uh, I just got my own place. Praise the creator of all things in October of 2020. Yeah, I've got my own place. It wasn't exactly what I was anticipating on. I was anticipating on buying a house. And then I was going to buy the house on my own at first. And then when I met that man, I figured we would do it together. And he just, that was not the move. And so that that when I realized that wasn't going to happen, it was like, eh, yeah, I can't do it on my own right now. I got to reestablish, rebuild. So I just jumped out because, I mean, jeez. Six years of living with other people. Even though my my father is is an amazing person, my grandmother is an amazing person. The other person, not so much. But I mean, not a bad person, just completely either. But does oh my God, I can't even say that with a clear conscience or with with any type of meaning. And either been it's not the move. It is not the move. And I know a lot of people are in situations, including us, that we were in a situation where we really didn't have any options because I lost my housing due to some technicalities or whatnot. And, uh, yeah, they wouldn't even let me reapply for seven years, so there was no, no getting up on my feet right then. Like, I, I had to really sit on my ass for a very long time. Anyway, I'm going to keep it freelance for you guys if anybody's listening. I, I can't tell you how much I appreciate you. I hope anything I said is helpful or is reflective or um, so forth. I don't really have a high point. I'm just coming here to vent and give myself a sounding board so that I can maybe come back and listen myself and hear, you know, the pain in my voice or, you know, just whatever it is I think I need to hear. Um, but I guess I do want to kind of throw it in that 
I felt like getting involved in the relationship that I got involved in was me bouncing back into that world because what I realized is after my third child started to go downhill like my other two at the age of 13 flipped the script on me that they're not going to be here. They're not going to always be in need of me. There's going to come a time that they're going to be so consumed and wrapped up in their own personal lives, living la vida loca. And I'm going to be what? By myself? I was afraid. I don't want to be by myself. And I think after... Going through this last eight months of what I went through. As much as I don't want to be by myself, if I have to live that life, I will. I can and I absolutely will. Yep. And I'll still try to hold my head as high as I always have. Yep. I'm just going to chill out for a while and try to get refocused on some things and uh, get back on my grind because I've really fallen off. Like, I've fallen off to the point where I've lost notes and things that I know I need in order to move forward with a lot of the things that I get into because I get involved in so many, so many things. Kind of... Catch myself, get back to me, focus on me. Yep, because I'm the only person who is going to focus on me. Yep, 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 yep. So, I mean, I guess if I gotta have a high point, focus on you because <laughs> I promise you, no matter how many people love you, no matter how strongly, how deeply, how true their love is. They are unable to focus on you in the way that you are able to focus on you. Focus on yourself. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Well, it's been a pleasure running my mouth. I really hope somebody's listening. But if nobody does, it's okay. Um. Like I said, sounding bored and reflection. I need it sometimes. I need it. Farewell. Hello and good day to you all. Are you individual? Because I don't think anyone's really tuned in. But in either event, I, I wanted to come on and explain the hiatus. I found myself becoming very redundant. But um, I guess what I'm realizing is the way I was consumed in the relationship led to that being the majority of what was on my mind. So I thought to myself, I said, self, let me give myself 
a little distance and so forth. And so I have. Um, I was thinking also about having a very structured conversation here, but honestly, when I have structured conversations, they lack the passion most times that I want to give and so forth. So I'm just going to keep dwelling and venting on myself and the new things that are happening or that are going through my head, which I'm not used to. But at the same time, um, I'm a woman and I can admit <clears throat> that the opposite sex tends to fog my mind <laughs> most of the time. Um, and I guess in saying that, I'd also have to say that I'm a woman who enjoys having sex with men. And, um, yeah, so that consumes. Okay. I was um, thinking for a little while, and it hit my mind. It was like... I spent 19 plus years for the most focused on raising my children. And all of them aren't grown yet. My daughter, she's 20. My oldest son, he's 19. And my baby boy just turned 16 a few months back. But um, <clears throat> I love them so much. They've been so much to me for so many years. Um, when my daughter, when my daughter turned thirteen, almost instantly she became just a monster in my life. But I mean, she she was pretty hard on me from the beginning. Um, as far as her personality and the choices that she would make. Um, and yes, children start making choices very early. Even if it's so much as putting two toys in front of them and which one they want to play with, they decided something. So yes, very early on, she started to give me the blues, but I love her. I still love her. I will love her to the day one of us leaves this earth. And if God says the same, if I leave first, I will love her from the stars. She's my only girl. Oh, sorry about the sniffling and whatnot. It's been kind of cold here. <clears throat> and now it's starting to heat up. And I guess now my body wants to react to that fact that it was cold once upon a time. I feel like I feel like I gave my half of my life to my children. Half of some really good years of my life to my children. Do I regret it? No. I don't. Does it hurt? Yes. 
And I guess the reason why it hurts is because I'm not physically capable of doing all the things I used to could do 20 years ago. My body has changed drastically. I have ailments. Major. Um, I do realize that the majority of my issues started after my car wreck in 2009. I do realize that. Yet and still, I still feel as though I missed out on a lot of things. I regret that I didn't live my life according to the things my grandmother was trying to structure within my life. You know, the completion of school, then marriage, then children. You know, a career here or there or everywhere. I I do regret that much. I um I was raised by adults who would tell me every day how beautiful I was or how smart I was because I drew with my colors in the line <laughs> and uh not realizing or, or even realizing my my uncle junior the one who and I don't know if I've discussed this here but he died of covid when it first came out in prison he'd been there for 35 years plus perhaps a little longer um when I was a little girl, he used to babysit me all the time. And he'd either have me on his hip or on his neck, everywhere he went. And he taught me how to ride a bike. He taught me how to color, how to write my alphabet, my one, two, threes. And he also taught me how to color in the lines. And like, he showed me what a relief it was to let go too in the process like you get used to drawing on the line so you focus on that and you, you concentrate on it so drastically but you know you can also bring your frustrations to the color big book too and just go crazy <laughs> oh, and it felt so good like it was a release he was amazing and I, I, I hate that I'm not ever going to see him again in this life and I hope and pray that our souls follow each other into the next um getting back to what I was saying like the adults around me except for my mother for whatever reason she just was determined to tear me down just determined to tear me down oh the adults made me feel important they made me feel special they made me feel I don't know a certain greatness a certain belonging a certain will to live 
to survive. And that will carried me far. It really did. I'm not sure what having kids did to that structure, but it, it changed it quite a bit. Um, I don't look at I don't look at myself now at the age of 41. I had a birthday that just passed. Um, I don't look at myself now at the age of 41 and see someone who's beautiful, smart. You know, I don't I don't have that spark that glow I burn bright I burn bright it's just not clear as, as light like it's not as clearly as that light used to be it, it's it's dampered um I myself I did the dampering like, with the gifts God has given you, what will you do? You know? And I chose to do the things that I did. And that's what that is. And I'm grateful that I was able to see it as such and step up and take responsibility for my actions. Not that I didn't have moments of of questioning myself or moments where I felt like, okay, let me try to start again and let me try to do it right or obviously I, I had those moments because at one point after everything I had accumulated since I left everything in an apartment that my daughter's father was living in at the time everything that I accumulated from that point burned in a house fire And it was just gone. And it was like, what was any of this for? You know? Like, I had quite a bit of material things. Specifically clothing, shoes, purses to match the clothing and shoes and belts and accessories. Like, ridiculous stuff. Ridiculous stuff. Um... I've never been big on hanging things on my walls. I don't like stuff hanging all over my walls. But I had pictures in a beautiful wall desk that like went from ceiling to floor. And I had shelves and shelves. And I had pictures all around them. And I had a beautiful family album like in an opposite corner on a stand with some candles. Like it was decorated nicely. Like, I'm not going to sit here and catalog everything that I lost in the fire. I was on a mission, too. I don't know why. But, yeah, gone. And I had really been working hard. Like, I worked at a gas station third shift. Like, and then got scared so badly by a guy that I dated that I started bringing my pistol to work. 
Like, I was afraid for my life. And I was happy when they fired me. Because <laughs> I was there by myself from, like, midnight up until 8 in the morning. <clears throat> or 7, I don't remember. Something like that. I think I came in a couple of hours prior. Anyway, um, they fired me. And then I worked at a chicken plant, like a dirty slave. And, like, when my car broke down, I caught a bus back and forth to the chicken plant, which added an additional three, four hours to my day. Mind you, at this point, I had, like, two kids. I didn't have practice until November. The house fire was the end of January. Yeah, the end of January. So, <laughs> uh, I worked, worked, worked hard for this stuff. And it was gone in the blink of an eye. And I started to think about my foundation, like... I had nothing to fall back on. I wanted to stay with my sister, my oldest sister, for like two and a half, nearly three days. Um, I found out that Red Cross helped out, so I called Red Cross and got some assistance from them. And the day I had to go to Red Cross to get this, pick the assistance up, and I went and got my kids some clothes so they can go to school because they had nothing. I had nothing. We lost everything, very literally. Anyway, my um, when I went to pick my sister up from school, and she got in the car, she had an attitude. Like, she hadn't really been off school that long. She had just called me, and when she called me, I made the, what, probably 10-minute trip from the store I was, which was the Target, to her school, which was, like, on in Texas, off of New Boston Road at the time, by where the big beauty supply is and Target was like right off of 30. In either event, uh, neither here nor there, we went and picked the kids up from school and then we headed back to her apartment in Ashdown and she calls my dad. Me and my kids are all in the car. We're all in the car with her. And she tells my dad, I don't know what you need to do, but you need to do something as if I did something to her. And I won't even go into the background of I won't even go into our background. <laughs> this was probably the first time in my life I've ever asked my sister for help. And we were 20, 24. I was definitely at least 24, possibly about to be 25. Yeah, 24, about to be 25 the next month. Because Praetis, I had Praetis in 04. Yep. The house burned down in 05, January of 05. Okay, so anyway, I, I really felt betrayed. I called my auntie. My auntie cleaned out her SUV, came and got me and my kids and what little bit of stuff I had brought for them to wear to school. The next morning, I borrowed my mom, borrowed my grandmother's car, and came to Texarkana and withdrew them from school and came to Atlanta and put them in school. And uh, I was living with my grandmother, which is basically <laughs> the only place I'm welcomed to be honest if I'm being honest with myself if my dad you know kept a roof over his head I would always be welcome at my dad's house uh, my maternal grandmother I'm always welcomed at her house always and um I started to think like I need to go to school <laughs> you know I need to get my education 
I need to build a foundation so that I can afford insurance and things like that that, you know, people that have take for granted that they can even afford to keep and maintain. I needed a foundation so badly and I just... I thought for a second, I was like, I don't know that I can handle school and my kids because when it comes to my kids, even though I worked like a slave, I was their slave. When I wasn't at work, their slave, I belonged to them. What they needed, I was taking care of their needs. So I thought, okay, let me try to go to school. Let me see about maybe putting my kids in a temporary foster situation with somebody. I really didn't know how the process worked, but I figured, you know, I'd create a, you know, contact them online through the legal part of it and then figure out with whom, you know, the way I could make sure everything was done legally and, and not, you know, in a way this kind of, like people do now and have been doing since the beginning of time, just drop their kids off somewhere and just leave them with no paperwork where they can get proper health care or, you know, that, that, that my kids were my life. They have been my life for 19 plus 20 plus years. Oh, in either event, my mom got on the computer after me and looked down through the searches and the drop boxes and saw what I was Googling and called up my, well, her first cousin, Deborah Maxine, and talked about me like a dirty dog. Then she called up her sister, my auntie, and she talked about me like a dirty dog. Then she called, finally called my grandma. The reason why she saved my grandmother for last is because she knew my grandmother was going to confront me because my grandmother has always been more of that mother figure to me than anybody else walking planet earth yeah so um she told my grandmother and my grandmother sat me down and was like okay this just don't go through that method like i understand what you're saying but that's not how your mama took it that's not how she's saying it like she's making it seem like you were just gonna dump the kids off at the fire station or something and drive away like no you know we'll do try it a different way and you can still go to school so what she helped me figure out was that I would leave my oldest son with the paternal grandmother since the dad really wasn't dependable. And um, he was out living his life with this woman or that woman and their kids and so forth. And I don't knock him. I, I, a little envious, yes. A little jealous, yes. Wishing I could get down like that. But my loyalties were to my children first so that way um and then I would leave my daughter with my grandmother and I would take my baby as soon as I got my place like I would come get my baby as soon as I got my place and um I thought okay if I just got to take care of one child I should absolutely be able to complete my degree and so forth in the meantime I was trapped up in this ITT technical institution. <laughs> oh my God. That is a regret. 
I read the fine print. I really did. But I, you know, and I, and this is ridiculous right here, but what I'm going to say, but it's, it's so true, especially t- for me. I don't know about for other people, but I can read one thing and understand it for what it is. But to live that one thing, if anything goes wrong, and then you're going back like, well, you knew this and you knew that. Yeah, I did. And I did. And, like, there's no argument to be had. But, like, ITT was the biggest ripoff. I completed three quarters, started the fourth. Um, and the process of me in my first quarter... I had to go get one of my children. In the process of me in my second quarter, I had to go get the other of my children. So by the time I got to the third quarter, I had all three of my children. So the fact that I completed the third quarter was an act of God. All of this with a 4.0 GPA. And <laughs> so when I took off from school, because I didn't have to do my finals, the third quarter, I, I went home took my kids and we went home and visited with my family and so forth I just I realized I was stressed to the max and then I had a falling out with my nanny at the time and I realized okay I have child care so I can put them in daycare like I don't have to have a nanny and so I put the nanny out And I registered the kids in daycare. And they worked out for a second. And then it just, it got to be too much. With the daycare calling me while I'm uh, at school. And then they were calling me while I picked up a a part-time job. Because, I mean, hell, I'm buying diapers for a baby. And I'm paying car insurance. And I still have bills at home. Like, I still, I had to have money. The car didn't run on air. And then I'm a smoker. The cigarettes help me bide life and tread the waters. <laughs> oh, my God. Uh, I needed money. Okay. Welfare. It was wonderful. $200 a month. The electric bill took that. Ate it up real quick. It was gone. And then there was still gas money, insurance, and diapers. and th- I needed money, so I got a job when I went and got... No, I didn't even wait till then. I had the job from the first, like the middle to the end of the first quarter at ITT. In fact, I think the one of the counselors there referred me and, and helped me send my resume off to the job that I got hired for. In either event, working full-time, going to school, full-time, three babies, Mm. no nanny, dealing with the school, dealing with the daycare, it just, it was killing me, very literally, so I um, went and talked to the counselors at the school, told them I needed to drop the courses, and they just politely reminded me, well, you're three quarters in, so if you leave, leave now, if you want to, absolutely, you'll owe us $18,000, I'm like, bitch, what? Ooh, I'm gonna owe you eighteen thousand, and I'm gonna owe Sally Mae some money too. I fought them, I fought them, 
and got them to drop their claim on 18000 But Sally Mae, <laughs> when I didn't pay Sally Mae her money, Sally Mae started taking my income tax return. She did it for, what, three, four years straight? Mind you, I still got three kids at home that I'm taking care of practically by myself. Like, the fathers were on child support. I don't know how they were surviving without a job. They, you know, I don't know how they were managing that. But Marcus at first, like the first 10 years or so of Delicia's life, he was helping. He was there. Like he'd get a job, work most of the year. Last three months he'll quit and he won't be working. So no money's coming in. But then he'll turn around, come March or so, get another job work to the end of the year so I mean he for the first 10 years he was very helpful the boys said I really didn't even ask for child support until after we broke up and uh, after I moved out of the house when it burned and then I didn't ask for back pay um, they started him off with child support based on minimum wage so he was paying like 125 a month for two kids Was I think what they set him up for? One twenty, one hundred and twenty-five dollars a month for two kids, and it wasn't a problem. Like any help, anything was up. One hundred twenty-five dollars up to at least buy diapers for three weeks. That was a help, you know. And uh, anyway, he'd get a job for like two, three months. Well, he'd have the job longer than that, but when they started taking child support out of his check, he'd work two or three months, and then he'd quit and get another job. And then, like, child support, it'd take him a few months to find out that he's working. Like, it was, in either event, it, it nothing was consistent. There was no real help other than if I called my dad or my grandmother crying, my maternal grandmother crying, they were absolutely there with bills. They had solutions. They brought them to the table. And uh, anyway, after that, I really didn't know how to go about it. So I registered at a community college to try to further my education. And uh, ITT was upset that I had to fight them or whatever over the money they were claiming that I owed them directly. And finally they released my transcript after I appealed it, I think, to the furthest it could have went through their system. <clears throat> and uh, we litigated and so forth. They released my transcript. And then, like, the community college couldn't use anything off of the transcript. So it was like I fought like a dog to start off with you know, these three quarters where I'm about to, you know, complete at least a year and get nothing. Like, I got nothing from ITT except for Owen Sally Mae, another 18K plus interest. Because, you know, Sally Mae going to add her interest monthly. <laughs> All right. So, anyway, starting from scratch, community college, um, I found... A more convenient job. Everything was convenient about it except for the location. It was very steady. Like set off days. Set work days. Um, 
it was comfortable. I wasn't like straining or straining myself physically. Like I could sit at a desk, talk on a phone, type on a computer for eight hours during a nine hour shift in which lunch was an hour. It was nice. Benefits, beautiful. And uh, still my three kids. Yeah. Yeah, so when I registered and started classes at the junior college, by then, I think my sister and her two babies had moved in with me, I do believe. Um, my kids were in, still in daycare at the time. Um, I had to find a daycare that was 24 hours because I was going into work at 6, getting off at 3, having to be at school 5 o'clock Monday and Wednesday, 5.30 on Tuesday and Thursdays, getting out of school at 11.30 Monday and Tuesdays and midnight Tuesdays and Thursdays, and then I had to come back to school Saturday morning from 8 to 12. That was my first schedule at the community college. So I found a daycare. It was 24 hours, switched my kids over to that daycare. Um, I don't remember if they had an issue with picking them up from the school that they were attending or what. I'm not sure. But it seems like maybe my sister had to buffer and take them from school to daycare for me because I, with traffic in Dallas, I didn't have time to go from Grapevine to freaking South Arlington. And I mean the crispest of South Arlington. <laughs> like, and I couldn't, like, stop, like, yeah, no. Yeah, no. Yeah, I couldn't do it. And, uh, they ended up transferring to another school. Anyway, there's a whole bunch of strife in, in between there that's relevant. Like, everything is just like, I was trying to get an idea of. I just didn't have time for me. I was very goal-oriented, and it was all about providing for my children. That was it for me. Like, I've never viewed my children as mistakes. Not ever. And I wasn't about to start just because life knocked me on my ass. They weren't mistakes, and they deserved a better life. And I gave everything I had to try to make that happen. We got really close, at least once, maybe twice. We got really close. Yeah, I'm going to definitely stay twice. But life, life happens. I think the fire took away one of our really close chances, and then, I don't know, ITT with... They're thieving behind. And a whole bunch of other negative things happened in that time frame that really just, it really just broke me down. Like life happened to me based on some fucked up choices that I made. Yep. And either man, I think I gave up for just a little while after I went to jail for 19 days and lost probably one of the best jobs I had ever had before up until then. Um, 
I don't think I gave up right off the bat, though. I think I got out of jail still with my boxing gloves on, you know, my shoes laced up, still squared up, you know, floating like a butterfly, stinging like a bee. Because I remember sending out my resume to several jobs, and I remember going to an orientation for one. They were making semen, and I didn't quite understand the concept of what exactly we were going to be doing, so I never just returned to that job because I had also sent a resume to AT&T, which was exactly where I wanted to be. <laughs> and they had called me back for an interview for an actual floor manager based on my experience. And I was like, who the hell would turn that down? Not to me. I would be there with bells. I went and brought me a very nice pair of high heels with the toe out when it got me an $80 pedicure, a, a, a $45 manicure, when it got my hair whooped up. <laughs> Which it was natural, so it wasn't that much whooping to do. It just wash condition and, and mousse had like, you know, they do the little edge designs or whatever. And uh, had me a little three-piece suit on, pants, buttoned down, and a vest. Walked in that thing. And it sounded amazing. Like they were going to open a new call center and they should be done by blah, blah, blah date. And um, I'm going to be originating the first team. Oh, they were going to give me the... Uh, called me to come back up to the same uh, workforce commission to get like a training manual so that I can get familiar with the training manual so that I can train my own team. Um, they weren't sure if they were going to keep me as a trainer at that time because they were they were hiring for everything. So if they were going to find a trainer, if they find a trainer or whatever, they would put the trainer in my spot. But I would just hold that position with the first team all the way to the floor. And that was going to be me managing the team until they like they wanted to take me through level by level by level in either event I was going to be general manager of the call center and I was just hyped like I literally went from a $26,000 a year job that jail took from me to I was going to be making $80,000 a year and it was like Finally, like, I could breathe, like, I, I could breathe for a second, and, and then AT&T called me, like, I think a couple of days before I was supposed to come pick up the training manual, they called me and told me that that overhead decided that they were not going to open the call center and asked me if I was interested in a smaller position, like, four cities over, <sighs> broke me down broke me down because I had really really just spent the last of my little wamu chicks <laughs> on the attire for the interview <laughs> to the point where at this point I don't know how I'm gonna pay my bills right now because once I put them they put the training manuals in my hand I started getting paid yeah so either way crushed And so I went through my little funky depressed mode for a few months. My boy's father, his other baby mama, one of his other baby mamas, called me and asked me if her and the kids could come stay with me for a little while until she found her own place. And I let her and the kids come stay. 
I had no idea she was bringing her boyfriend, but she did. I let them stay for a minute, and then, like, when I saw that they weren't going to help me at least pay half of the bills, like, okay, yeah, you have one less kid with you than I have, but you have two adults here. Like, yeah, you're going to pay half the bills if you can't. What about were you here? Why are you here? You're not my children. Like, she had lived with me before, and I took total care of her. Yeah, her and her kids. Yeah, no, not you, your boyfriend and your kids, but whatever. Like, when I saw they weren't going to help with the bills, I, I gave them the boot. I gave her the option to leave the kids and her and her boyfriend get the fuck on. But the boyfriend was determined that, no, we ain't leaving the kids. No, up to you, your kids, you know what I'm saying? Hey, do what you got to do. But I'm just letting you know, you two can't stay here. The kids are welcome to stay. As long as I made that understood. <laughs> you know. So anyway, they took the kids, they left. Oh, around about that time, I had gotten a couch from Mission of Arlington, and it was infested with bed bugs. And it infested the apartment with bed bugs. So I had to throw out all of my furniture. Me and the kids were now sleeping on the floor and treating the floor and not turning the air conditioner on, sleeping in pure heat because the heat helps the bed bugs die. We were steam cleaning everything nearly every day and then dry uh, vacuuming afterwards just to keep from being bitten, eaten alive, basically. And uh, I was crying out for help to any and everybody that could hear, that had ears. <laughs> and my mother, surprisingly, came to my rescue. She came with some some, some super plant-grade insect killer, and she packed me and the kids up, and she sprayed the baseboards of every room, took us to her home, let us actually stay there for a week, and then brought us back. And wouldn't you know, like magic, the bed bugs were gone. So I started to innovate the little pieces of furniture back in and whatnot, but I wasn't working. I didn't have any income at the time. I think Marcus was working and paying a little child support, and I was, like, flipping that two and three times, selling candy or, you know, offering services with the Internet and so forth. Just, I, I just, I do whatever I could do. I do whatever I can do, yeah, to make do. And then I had a, that's about when I had the car wreck. I was out of jail. The AT&T stuff happened. And then September 11th, 09, the car wreck that really messed my back up, really, really messed my back and my hip up. And it just was pretty much downhill from that point. But we didn't actually become homeless until 2014, I believe. Yeah, it was 2014. We went to living with people from place to place. And uh, I just got my own place. Praise the creator of all things in October of 2020. 
Yep, got my own place. It wasn't exactly what I was anticipating on. I was anticipating on buying a house, and then I was going to buy the house on my own at first, and then when I met that man, I figured we would do it together, and he just, that was not the move. <laughs> and so that, that when I realized that wasn't going to happen, it was like, eh, yeah, I can't do it alone right now. I got to reestablish, rebuild. So I just jumped out because, I mean, geez, six years of living with other people. Even though my my father is, is an amazing person, my grandmother is an amazing person, the other person not so much. But, I mean, not a bad person just completely either, but does, oh my God, I can't even say that with a clear conscience or with with any type of meaning. And either event, it's not the move. It is not the move. And I know a lot of people are in situations, including us, that we were in a situation where we really didn't have any options because I lost my housing due to some technicalities or whatnot. And, uh, yeah. They wouldn't even let me reapply for seven years, so there was no no getting up on my feet right then. Like, I, I had to really sit on my ass for a very long time. Anyway, I'm going to keep it freelance for you guys if anybody's listening. I, I can't tell you how much I appreciate you. I hope anything I said is helpful or is reflective or um, so forth I don't really have a high point I'm just coming here to vent and give myself a sounding board so that I can maybe come back and listen myself and hear you know the pain in my voice or you know just whatever it is I think I need to hear Um, but I guess I do want to kind of throw it in that I felt like getting involved in the relationship that I got involved in was me bouncing back into that world because what I realized is after my third child started to go downhill like my other two at the age of 13 flipped the script on me that they're not going to be here. They're not going to always be in need of me. There's going to come a time that they're going to be so consumed and wrapped up in their own personal lives, living la vida loca. And I'm going to be what? By myself? I was afraid. I don't want to be by myself. And I think after going through this last eight months of what I went through... As much as I don't want to be by myself, if I have to live that life, I will. I can and I absolutely will. Yep. And I'll still try to hold my head as high as I always have. Yep. I'm just going to chill out for a while. And try to get refocused on some things. And uh, get back on my grind. Because I've really fallen off. Like I've fallen off to the point where I've lost 
notes and things that I know I need in order to move forward with a lot of the things that I get into because I get involved in so many, so many things. Uh, kind of let me catch myself get back to me. Focus on me. Yep, because I'm the only person who is going to focus on me. Yep. Yep, yep, yep. So, I mean, I guess if I got to have a high point, focus on you. Because <laughs> I promise you, no matter how many people love you, no matter how strongly, how deeply, how true their love is, they are unable to focus on you in the way that you are able to focus on you. Focus on yourself. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Well, it's been a pleasure running my mouth. I really hope somebody's listening, but if nobody does, it's okay. Um, like I said, sounding bored and reflection, I need it sometimes. I need it. Farewell. <laughs>